Well, go ahead and uh, open your Bibles tonight. Turn to Psalm 4. Remember, David is in the midst of running for his life from his own son. And uh, I wonder if David ever got angry about that. And uh, I wonder if true believers, do we ever really get angry? Should we get angry? And how do we handle the anger that we feel? Because uh, sometimes it can be just because somebody pulled in front of you on the interstate and you have that flash and that burst of anger that comes out. Or sometimes it could be because you um, think about what is happening in our culture to people who are on drugs, alcohol, people who are suicidal for various reasons. And we think about uh, divorce and we think about... um, all of the things that are going on in our society, how should we feel about that and what should we do about that? And so we're going to look in Psalm 4 and I want to make an uh, introductory statement here and I want you to really think about this through this uh, whole teaching tonight. We always justify our anger, always. We justify it to ourselves, or we justify it to somebody else or maybe if we, uh, you know, see somebody else get angry many times we kind of pat them on the back and say well it's okay you had a right to be angry about all of this and some people their answer to all of that is just never get angry never express anything and just be docile and their Christian life were just kind of like a dog that lays on its back and says scratch my belly and I won't make any uh, noise or cause any trouble and uh, we always justify our anger or somebody else's but think about this justified anger is not always righteous okay sometimes it can be silly sometimes it can be petty sometimes well all the time it can be hurtful it can be harmful we say things that we uh, can't take back we do things that ruin our testimony in fact if you were to go with uh, me into a prison today and go from cell to cell and prisoner to prisoner, you'd be surprised, number one, how many of them will never admit any kind of guilt. The prisons are just full of innocent people. And then for those who do admit it, you know one of the things that they say regularly? They say, well, I just got so mad I lost control. Okay? And uh, who hadn't done that? who hadn't lost control when they got really angry, really hurt, really upset, and said something that they normally wouldn't have said or done something they normally wouldn't do. Now, hopefully you didn't kill anybody, but uh, I'm kind of banking on that tonight. But um, I'm a little vulnerable, if you haven't noticed. And, uh, you know, we we look at those kind of things, and uh, we live in an angry society. We have half of the people who... uh, uh, can't stand the president and don't like the government that we have and uh, half that do and it gets really really close our elections have you noticed how close they have been the last couple of cycles and um, we uh, sometimes we don't bring things up because we know it'll make half of our family mad or make somebody maybe we're in a restaurant somebody starts talking you go Shh, don't be so loud about all of that there's some people over there that I know that wouldn't agree with that and so we have all kinds of uh, trouble with that sometimes there are riots sometimes there are protests 
Uh, sometimes people get shot, murdered for different things that uh, seem to be so inconsequential. And it's because we live in an angry society. We also live in a very depressed society. One of the things that I learned about depression is depression is internalized anger. Uh, things didn't go the way you wanted it to go. People didn't behave the way you wanted them to behave. Unless it's a chemical imbalance, of course. But for uh, a lot of people, that's what happens. And that's what throws them into uh, different kinds of depression. And what do they do with all of that? Well, they try to medicate it with drugs, alcohol, uh, illicit sex, different things like that. And uh, what are we to do with that? Do you ever get angry? Do you ever say that it just runs in my family? Uh, I, this is just the way we handle things. And is that uh, justified? So let's look at Psalm 4, 4 and 5. David is running for his life. And we would look at that and we would say, well, David, you have every right to be angry. It's justified anger. And uh, we would be angry at Absalom for what he is doing to Israel and what he's doing to his family, those type of things. And I can only imagine maybe some of the outbursts that David had, some of the emotions that he felt. He was not uh, just a, a docile pacifist on anything. David had times, you've read his stories in the Bible, where he really... Uh, you know, got torqued. And sometimes in the Psalms that we read some of the things he says, man, he is really, really upset about some things. So uh, let's go to Psalm 4 and look at verse 4. And as David has talked to the Lord in verse 1, and then we saw last week he has spoken to the culture. And I think there's a lot of this that David may be writing or saying or singing because he doesn't understand why anybody would follow Absalom. And there were a lot of people who did. In fact, at one point it says that Absalom had stolen the hearts of the people of Israel. Now, don't you know, for a king who had done so much for his people, David probably was angry and felt betrayed and rejected by all of that. And uh, so he speaks to the culture. You're turning my glory into worthless things, he said. And uh, now we get to verse 4. And I think he's still speaking to the people. I think he's speaking to not the men who are following Absalom I think he's speaking to the kingdom the people in Jerusalem particularly who would be sympathetic toward Absalom and he doesn't understand it and so uh, look what he says be angry you ever heard that in the Bible be angry and do not sin that ought to sound familiar to you as a New Testament believer meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Then he gives them a chance to do it. Selah. Think about what's in your heart. Are you an angry person? Is your angry anger out of control? Think about that. Then he says in verse 5, do something about it. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Now, that leads me to believe that last phrase, put your trust in the Lord, leads me to believe that you are an out-of-control, angry person. You're not really trusting in the Lord. You're taking matters into your own hands. Or you're upset with the way the Lord is handling things. Maybe the way, maybe the timing, uh, that, that kind of thing. Not really walking by faith. Now, before we uh, say anything else, I do want to go to the New Testament counterpart for this verse. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, much the same thing, just worded differently. Be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And so uh, when people say, well, my anger is a righteous anger, can a righteous anger turn into an unrighteous, unblessed anger? Well, according to Paul, of course it can. It can if you let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, even justified righteous anger is not supposed to linger on and on and on and on and on. And it's definitely not supposed to control you. Because when it does, you're giving place or giving grounds or giving real estate in your life to the enemy. And when you're doing that, you're certainly not trusting the Lord or worshiping the Lord, and then your anger, even your justified righteous anger, would then become sinful, and you are only hurting yourself. So let's uh, think about what David was saying. Back to Psalm 4. And uh, number one, I've worded this this way on purpose, there's a command and a caution. A command and a caution. And it, it, it says more here then just if anger overtakes you, be careful about it. David actually puts it in the imperative here, and he says, be angry. When is the last time you heard a sermon on be angry, get angry, get riled up? Be angry, but uh, do not sin. Now, how, do, how are we going to handle that? How are we going to keep that from happening? Well, Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes 3 that there is a time... For anger, even for the people of God, there are some things that ought to make you angry. Injustice, seeing the innocent being hurt, those kind of things. Uh, we shouldn't just be docile or pacifist about all of that. We ought to do something about it. The slaughter of unborn babies ought to uh, move us to anger. When people mistreat the word of God and twist it and preach false doctrine to people and pervert the gospel, well, Paul got pretty riled up about that. If you've read Galatians lately in the book of Acts, there are just certain things we ought to care about. And far too often we find ourselves being just sort of apathetic, laissez-faire about it, when we ought to care and we ought to do something about it. Now, um, did you know that uh, suicide is epidemic right now? We're seeing a lot of things. There are approximately 1,200, uh, 1,204,575 annual attempts in the U.S. alone. For suicide did you know it was that high and uh, here's what that figures out to okay how long have we been here in church uh, let's see we started about 645 and so uh, you could do the math on this you ready for it that means there is one suicide attempt in the US every 26 seconds that that's sad that's sad and when I think about some of the causes of that, it, it, it bothers me. And it should bother you. Why are people doing this? Why are people so unhappy when they live in the greatest country the world has ever known? Why would people be so unhappy when we have so much freedom? I mean, I know we have threats to our freedom and all of that. But, but we still basically can do uh, pretty much whatever we want. What, what in the world is going on? Well, a lot of it has to do with um, the lies that the enemy tells. Did you know that uh, suicide for people who 
go through a transition from male to female. Uh, it, it's higher in that, as I understand it, but it can go either way. Did you know the suicide rate quadruples once they change? That They don't get happy. They get sad. They feel more rejection. They feel scorn. They feel shame and that type of thing. Uh, we're getting ready tomorrow to enter into Pride Month. Does anybody else find it ironic? We get one day to celebrate those who gave their life for our country. But if you're homosexual, you get a whole month for all of this. And their parades are absolutely despicable and immoral and ungodly. It's a horrible thing. And yet we've accepted that. And, and there, there's just nothing else going on. We don't pray about it very much. We don't try to witness to them because the gospel is the only hope that they have. We just carry on life as usual and say, well, that's just the way it is. We see it on our TV shows. We see it on everything that we do. And it's going to inundate us. And, of course, we all know with Target and Kohl's and all of those kind of things that they are even making clothes for uh, little bitty children, little bitty babies that talk about, you know, my pronoun. I saw a thing, my pronouns are... Uh, they and there, and it was for a three-month-old. And uh, those kind of things that come on. How are we supposed to feel about all of this? Because it's wrecking our society. And <coughs> think about this. It's hurting people. It's not making people happy. It's not really gay in the traditional sense of the word. It's uh, shameful. It's hurting people. It's tearing up families. And it is causing people to fall into despair uh, from a headline from the daily oklahoman not terribly long ago u.s overdose deaths hit record uh, last year that'd be 2022 with 923 in oklahoma alone the cdc says and so we think about that happy people don't get drunk happy people don't do drugs Happy people are not overdosing on things, and a lot of those who overdose don't mean to overdose. And uh, as Christians, we just kind of go along with it, gather in church, life's good for us, life's good for my family, and we're not really, <coughs> pardon me, burdened about all of these things and why is this happening and what can we actually do about it and withholding the gospel is, and withholding truth is the worst thing that we can do. Now, we've got to be careful. We don't want to uh, give place to the devil or anything like that. But we've got to somehow be salt and light in the culture in which we live. And we can't just, you know, let it go on. James uh, chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, speaking to us, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I, I wonder sometimes if we're ineffective in witnessing to people because we don't listen enough. We don't find out where they hurt. We don't find out where they've been wounded. We don't find out where their hang-ups are on things. And so we can't really address it. We just tell them, trust God, and then we move on, and we wonder why we're ineffective. So we need to listen, James says. And then he uh, says this, be slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so we have to be careful when we look at our culture that there are things that anger us, things that we don't understand, 
But we need to realize that anger alone doesn't fix it. Anger alone doesn't make us attractive to other people. Uh, you don't necessarily, when you see somebody who's angry, you don't want to run up and ask them for advice. You don't want to run up and ask them if they want to eat a taco with you or have a cup of coffee or anything like that. And I think sometimes we come across like we are angry at the person instead of angry at the sin and angry at the true enemy. Remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And we make what we believe and what we think so unappealing that they're not going to listen to us or they're not going to come to us. And so what James says here has to be harmonized with the command to be angry and uh, not sin. And I think James tells us some of the ways that we uh, actually sin in these areas. Now, the frustration is when I see some of this woke stuff going on and I think about the fact that there's such a tiny fraction of our population it's kind of frustrating because they don't listen to us and there's a lot more of us and a lot more that believe and think like we do uh, why does that happen why does that happen and that kind of stuff frustrates us and if you're not careful your anger will get away with you and it'll get out of control and then you'll ruin your witness your testimony your walk with God will suffer and all of that and uh, I think that the left actually counts on the fact that we will either explode and do something stupid and they can say, see, see, you Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Look, look at that. I mean, I think that's what a lot of them want. And I think they push things because they want people to, get, to go nuts and take a gun and go shoot people or riot or do something like that. Or they count on the fact that we will do nothing. They're afraid that the left will boycott and protest and all of that. But when they think about those of us who are on the right, they go, uh, they won't do anything. It's not really going to matter. And it is hard for all of us to get together, to get on the same page, and to uh, work at those things. Back in the 80s, the uh, Wildmans put together a, a thing. It was from the American Family Association. We used to get it at the church I was at. Uh, every week I think and what they would do is they would have just page after page of television shows and all of the ob uh, ob um, objectable anti-Christian anti-biblical things that would be in that show and then they would have the sponsors so they would want you to boycott craft because they sponsored this particular show and I remember thinking I, I want my macaroni and cheese man what what are you doing with that and it was hard to get us all together and part of it was there was so much of it and uh, you couldn't possibly boycott everything some things you had to have to live and uh, so we said well if I can't be consistent I just won't worry about it all and so it failed and it failed miserably back um, I think it was in the 90s the Southern Baptist Convention because Disney had a gay day there they uh, called for a boycott on all of that and I heard several people say don't boycott go there and go there and hand out tracts and go there and be a witness to people and go there uh, on gay day and hand out tracts to the uh, people who are homosexual and and show the difference between uh, them and us to all the people who work there maybe that would be a good strategy I don't know but it didn't it didn't go very well and it didn't go very far because we just couldn't quite get together now right now you're hearing about you know boycotts of of uh, Anheuser-Busch I heard one guy say Transheiser-Busch 
and uh, that was kind of funny. And um, I, I hope that's not really a problem for you. Um, but uh, also uh, to boycott Coles and to boycott Target and that kind of thing. And so far, some of that seems to be working. Don't know how long it'll last, don't know how far it'll go. But uh, the truth of the matter is we can't really get everything and everyone. But, uh, you know, there are certain things like I'm not real interested this next month particularly in uh, shopping at Target and being inundated by everything that they do and just acting like, oh, well, it's no big deal or that's just the way the world is or something like that. I feel pretty strongly about that because they came out with things that were targeting our children. And uh, just to be honest... Uh, if you're an adult, do whatever you want to do. That's your business. When you start targeting our children, whether it's in schools or whether it's in stores or whether it's online, uh, I, I can't stand for that. I can't support that. That, that gets me kind of riled up. You're going after those who don't understand and can't defend themselves. And uh, that, that's something I think we probably need to be salt and light on. And uh, what about turning the other cheek? Jesus said, if, you know, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, then turn the other cheek to them. And uh, that's more talking about personal insult than it is a moral concern or something like that. So somebody insults you, that's fine. Don't retaliate on that. Let it go. Turn the other cheek. But when there's something where innocent people are suffering, think about uh, if we lived in Germany in the 1930s and they're starting to haul Jews off and put them in concentration camps. Now, what would be our responsibility as Gentile Christians? Just say, oh, well, it's the government. You can't do anything. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm not a Jew or anything like that. That would be despicable. And yet that's what a lot of German Christians did. And uh, when we see people that are being oppressed, when we see people that are being treated unjustly, and when we see people that are being used as an experiment for sin, I think that's the time when we ought to be thinking a little bit more about what our responsibility is morally in, uh, in our culture. And uh, far too often, we just kind of want to, instead of turning the other cheek, we want to turn our eyes away and just not look at it. And think about those people in Germany where those concentration camps were. And some of them were not out in the country. Some of them were in the city. People saw the smokestacks. People saw the smoke. And they did nothing except go about their own business. Well, we, I don't think we can really do that. And I don't think that we are called to do that. And I think there comes a time where we've got to take a stand. Now, we've got to do it right. And uh, we're not here to shame anybody. We're not here to uh, mock anybody or do anything like that. We're just here to say this is right and this is wrong. And going right, of course, is the better way. Um, I think about what President Reagan said, talking about Congress, but I think it fits in this situation. If you can't make them see the light, let them feel the heat. And uh, that's kind of what's happening right now in our country. The uh, different corporations are feeling the heat. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, especially if it protects children, especially, especially if it makes people think twice about what they're going to embrace and what they're going to market and what they're going to put out there. And so this next month, you're going to have plenty of reasons, the commercials and different advertisements that are going to come on TV. Uh, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to get angry. But I want you to handle it right, and I want you to think of it rightly. On the next slide, 
I mean, you know, when you see that kind of thing and that's a shirt for a child, boy, how far we have fallen and how far we have come. And we've allowed it, right? We're supposed to be salt and light. And we've handled things the wrong way. We've handled things in anger. We've handled things that, uh, you know, are unchristian and ungodly. And uh, we were told by James that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we're calling tonight for the right kind of anger, that kind of thing that makes you stand up, that makes you do something, that makes you want to be involved in all of this because our society is hurting. And this isn't helping. This isn't soothing. This isn't bringing joy. This isn't bringing peace to anybody. It's tearing up our society, our culture. It's tearing up families. And it's hurting people. And uh, as we think about all of this, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Now, are we called because the Scripture tells us in the last days, perilous times shall come to just go, oh, well, that's just prophesied. That's just what it's supposed to be. Or are we called to minister to people, to help people, to serve people, and above all, to love people in the name of Jesus while all of this is going on? And I would say... We've got to do the latter. And it's got to be motivated because we have a righteous indignation, not a hatred for anybody, but a righteous indignation. We don't like what this is doing, and we don't like the glory that it is giving to the enemy and the seeds that it is sowing in upcoming generations. So uh, think about that. There's a command, but there's also a caution. You can't just go wild, and you can't just let your emotions run away with you because uh, that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And maybe that's what's happened, and maybe that's where we've gone wrong, and maybe we need to do a sailor like David did and say, what has my attitude been toward my neighbors who believe like this? What has my attitude been toward celebrities who believe and think like this? And how am I acting and how are my actions impacting the gospel and impacting them for the cause of Christ and the glory of God? And by the way, we don't want to become them. And the things that they do toward us and the things they say about us, we're not called in the scripture to match those things. You know, nowhere in the scripture does it, does it say fight fire with fire. And I've heard a lot about that lately. Uh, we are to fight fire with the gospel and to fight fire with love that cannot be explained and uh, to make people go, you're supposed to hate me. Why do you love me? And we can tell them then about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross for our sins and how he will save anyone. Even uh, I, I remember I served in a church back in the 80s where the pastor actually said homosexuals cannot be saved because they've been given over to a reprobate mind. Well, that's what I kind of cut my teeth on. He was very influential for me. You know uh, what it did for me when I read Paul writing to the Corinthians and he talked about the people that will not inherit heaven and he does mention homosexuals, but he also mentions adulterers. Know any adulterers who go to church? And then he makes a statement, Paul does, and such were some of you what you mean there were former homosexuals in the church in Corinth yeah they can be saved yeah they can and we have not really tried much or prayed much or invested much 
in the salvation of uh, people who are trapped in perversion or any of these kind of things. We've separated from them, but we haven't tried to win them to Christ. We haven't tried to love them. We haven't tried to meet any need that may be in their life and uh, let that lead to a gospel conversation like we do with other people and like we do with other people that are perverted. There's a lot more perversions out there than just sexual perversion, by the way. And uh, we reach out to a lot of people that we uh, uh, think that, well, you know, that's just a normal sin. Well, there are no normal sins. They're all abominable to God. And uh, think about this. Someone said to me one time, well, homosexuality is different because it's an abomination. Well, folks, listen carefully. So is pride. So is pride. That's mentioned as an abomination. So uh, what does that mean? Nobody should have witnessed to us. We can't go to heaven. Our sin is different than everybody else's. We just have to be careful and we have to stop and we have to think about all of this. So point number two, we'll try to move on here. Don't let anger linger or dominate you. You ever know anybody that just said, I just can't get over it? Well, you're, you're admitting that you're lost. You're saying that you're not saved if that's the case. Some people have told me before, I can't forgive. No, you can't, but Christ can through you. And they go, no, I, no I'm not doing that. Well, then you're not a Christian. We're called on to forgive. And we're called on to have self-control. Notice David says, within your own heart, on your own bed, and uh, be still. Meditate within your own heart. Didn't get the whole thing. On your own bed and be still. In other words, how many crimes have been committed? How many people have been killed? How many people have, been, have, have had character assassination, slander, that kind of thing, have been hurt because somebody said something that they wouldn't have said if they had been thinking? You know what David's saying here? Be angry and sin not. In other words, just stop and think. And meditate even when you're alone, even when you're on your bed. Is your conscience bothering you? Do you regret the things that you were saying? Are you about to say something that's going to uh, proverbially uh, paint you into a corner that you can't get out of and that somebody's never going to forget? And so David's calling upon us to be angry about sin, but stop and think about how we feel. Stop and think about our response and he says, just slow down on all of that because we get too rash, we get too angry, and we uh, let our tongue run away with us. And you remember going back to James, he said the tongue is difficult to control and it's set on fire by hell. You know, some of those things you do that you say, well, you know, I was just upset or anything. The devil laughs because he's the one that put the gasoline and the match to your tongue that came out. It's a serious, serious problem. Steve Lawson says, at night when their uh, consciences had pondered their ways, the Lord would reveal their opposition to him as a treacherous sin. And so we can actually, in our righteous might and anger, we can actually become enemies of God and be going the wrong way. I wonder how many of us, when the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, is God resisting you tonight because you're walking in pride and you're walking in anger and arrogance and that kind of thing? Well, we don't want that because we don't need it personally, and it's not something that the world needs either. It doesn't 
help our cause. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, it says, Whoever is slow to anger, would that describe you? You know, some people brag about being quick-tempered. Some people brag about, I just say what's on my mind, and I don't have any filter. They brag about that. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, how are you doing on that? He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Being big, bold, tough, brash, outspoken, and all of that is never commended in the Scripture. We're to be slow to anger. We are to be thoughtful about what we do. Now, is there a time to speak up? Yeah. And if the gospel offends people, and if righteousness offends people, let the chips fall where they may, because we've got to be obedient to God and leave the consequences to Him. But we're not to be mean, we're not to be cruel, and we're not to be, let's put it this way, out of control. Never is that uh, called on for a believer. Galatians 5, and 23, you know these verses. But the fruit or evidence of the Holy Spirit, how many of these do you display and have you displayed today, especially in a difficult situation? It's love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Even when you're in the midst of a battle, even when you're in the midst of an argument, even when you've got opposition, that's supposed to be in you. How are you doing on all of that? I don't do so well. Do you? And look at the next one. Self-control. Well, I just couldn't help it. Yeah, you could, or you're not saved. Well, it just got away from me. And, 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 and you know you, you know how it is. Some things you just, you just can't get a hold of. Yeah, you can, or you're not saved. It's a matter of whether you're filled, meaning under the control of the Holy Spirit, or whether you're in control. And boy, your flesh is mean. Read back up a couple of verses from Galatians 5, 21 and 22. And look at the works of the flesh, and it says, outburst of anger, along with a bunch of despicable things and perverted things. And right there is outburst of anger. Road rage? Well, I just couldn't help it. And I gave them the finger, and boy, they needed to know that. Well, how do you feel when somebody does that to you? Do unto others, remember, as you would have them do unto you? Well, I just wasn't thinking, and I couldn't do it, and I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Yeah, you could, or you're not saved. And so we have a lot of things like that. Husbands and wives do that to each other. Parents do it to children. Children do it to parents. We do it to neighbors. We do it to other people. Much less the gay community or the trans community or anything like that. I mean, we can't even figure this kind of stuff out in churches sometimes. Amen? God help us. And yet we're supposed to lead the world to Christ, to be a testimony to Christ, and we can't even get this stuff right, and we say we can't help it. Yeah, we can, or we're not truly saved. Let that sink in. Number three. Well, look at the next thing. This is what really happens when your anger is out of control. Is the wolf going to win? Well, maybe in the short term, but not ultimately. And that's what you're doing when you fly off the handle. And you lose your temper. Your temper means your moderation. Your temper means your ability to handle the heat. 
Remember Reynolds wrap? They used to say it was oven tempered for flexible strength. The temper means you can stand the heat. When you lose your temper, you mean I couldn't stand it. I couldn't go on. Is that from the Holy Spirit? Nope. Is that something that the Spirit goes, Woo, that was too big for me. Go ahead. Nope. Is that something God says, well, I'll just put my blessing on that. Good for you. You showed them. You taught them. Man, that'll teach them. They'll never do that again. Is that from God? Nope. Certainly not. And we end up losing. We look like fools. Uh, number three, don't let your anger hinder your worship or ruin your testimony. You cannot worship when you're mad. And you ruin your testimony more times when you're angry, when you're mad, than you do any way else the original English word mad did not mean angry it meant crazy and there are a lot of people that are just crazy angry their emotions are out of control and uh, they think that they are justified and they call it righteous but it's really not it's painful it's hurtful it's destructive it's not for the glory of God it's not done out of love it does not display the fruit of the Spirit, and then we try to say, okay, God, bless this, and God goes, uh, no, I'm not going to bless what I cursed. I'm not going to bless what I commanded you not to do. I mean, this hits close to home for all of us, doesn't it? Because we've all been uh, affected by all of this, and it hurts our testimony. How many children say, I don't want anything to do with church or the gospel because they saw a mom or a dad who came to church, they were happy, they were joyful, they were friendly, they were shaking hands, they were hugging, they were amening the preacher, they were doing all that kind of stuff, and then they would lose it by the time they got home. In fact, I remember back in the late 80s counseling a teenager, and uh, it was in Georgia, and there was this guy's father, I knew him well, he was a guy that was always standing up and raising his hands and he would cry and cry and he always wanted to give a testimony and always wanted to pray. You know what his teenager's testimony was? Yeah, until we were taking too long to get out of church and he would cuss us out in the church parking lot. Now, you think that kid's going to be interested in Christ? No. No. And that's what happens when we get angry. And that's all that was. That guy was just an angry person. And that anger is fueling everything that is wrong in our country. And it is also neutralizing our witness. David said, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. See, When justified anger uh, or righteous indignation becomes sinful, then your worship stops. The power stops flowing and you become like the pagans. You become like the idolaters. What good are we? You know, Jesus told us if we lose our saltiness, we're good for nothing. Remember hearing a guy preach one time on good for nothing church members. Why? Because they were no longer salt. Good for nothing but to be trampled under. And boy, are we getting trampled right now. Right? Right. Something's got to change. It's got to start with us and that's what this is about and number four in your anger don't lose hope you know what happens everything that's going on today is designed by the enemy to say you're a weirdo and you're the only one who thinks like you do and there is no way this is going to happen they have too much power too much money too much influence just shut up just be quiet just go away just don't say anything 
And it seems like the message from the media, social media, as well as traditional media and all of that, is basically, you're a loser, just shut up. Go away. Shut up and go away. We outnumber you. Everybody thinks like we do. And there is no hope for losers like you. Well, David says in the midst of this, and put your trust in the Lord. And I'm going to say this. You cannot be angry and do that at the same time. You're either angry or you're trusting the Lord. You're either trusting the Lord or you're angry. But you can't do both. It just doesn't work together. Because when you're angry, you don't like the way things are going. And you're frustrated and upset. And the idea of God being sovereign and in control of all of this. Just, hey, uh, give me the wheel. You know. What was it, Carrie Underwood saying, Jesus, take the wheel? Every time you get angry, what you're really saying is, Jesus, let me take the wheel. I can handle this. You're not doing it quite right. And we don't rest in the Lord, and we don't trust in the Lord. And boy, talk about frustration. Talk about a lack of peace and a lack of joy and a lack of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It boils down to faith. Without faith, Romans 14 says, it is not difficult, it is impossible to please God. And when you're not pleasing God, you don't have His blessing. See a correlation there? The Bible says that um, we are to uh, walk by faith and not by sight. But you can't do that if you're a mad, ticked-off person who everything makes you angry and everybody you look at, you, you're suspicious of them and uh, you uh, know that they're up to something and they're trying to do something, they're going to get something out of you, uh, you don't feel motivated to witness to people when you're like that. <coughs> you don't feel motivated to serve them <coughs> when you're like that. And so we withdraw and we cloister and we have our own little clubs and groups and all of that, and we never really rub elbows with anybody who really needs the gospel. Uh, there was a song years ago that says uh, I'm going to stop hauling water to the sea and that's kind of and the point of the psalm was uh, that song is we get together and we share the gospel like tonight is that fruitful well it's always fruitful to share the gospel but what we really need to be doing is sharing it out there and sharing it in places with people who don't think like we do and believe like we do and sometimes we really are just hauling water to the sea the sea doesn't need any more water we need to get it out where it goes and so uh, sinful controlling anger is a lack of faith and whatever is not of faith is sin and uh, we get this way because we forget one specific truth okay because there are people that will listen to this message and they go well that'll never work well probably not for you because you don't believe it and you don't really think about this is what God says this is not just an idea or an opinion that comes up. This is based on God's Word. We forget that God's ways are not our ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. We've got to get in tune with God and we've got to do it His way. And God, when uh, Paul writes to Timothy, talks about the Christian life and he uses three metaphors. Did you know you are a farmer? You're a farmer. Did you know you are an athlete? You don't look like an athlete, but uh, you're an athlete. And did you know that you are a soldier? I haven't worn a uniform in years. No, you're a soldier. And this is the way God describes you. As a farmer, you just patiently plant the seed and you wait for it to grow. 
You know, an impatient farmer, he plants a seed and then runs a combine over the field tomorrow and tears it all up uh, because he couldn't wait for the harvest. And so we've got to do this and we've got to realize as a farmer, I may not see instant results. Now, if a farmer milks a cow, that's kind of cool because he's got the bucket of milk. But if he plants wheat, well, you know, if he plants a wheat in September or October, he's not going to get any harvest until June. That's a long time. Has to go through the winter. And uh, that's a long time. And so uh, we have to wait. And so uh, be patient in all of this. God is working. You can't see him. And you're a farmer. You're not the one who uh, gets instant results. Sometimes you have to wait. You're like the athlete. The athlete may train all year for the Super Bowl or the Olympics or something like that. And they may do, you know, really dumb things. Like uh, I, I remember one time... Uh, Eddie Sutton at OSU, he was so frustrated with his team and the way they were playing, he put football pads on them and made them practice in football pads. You know what? It worked. It worked. What was the point of that? You need to learn how to block and tackle. No, you don't do that in basketball. He was teaching them a lesson, and they were disciplined after that, and they did much, much better. Running bleachers. Coach pulls you out and said, I want you to run the bleachers here. I, well, what good? I'm not going to do that in a game. No, it's because you did something wrong. You're being punished. You're being corrected. Or maybe you're just flabby and, and the coach wants you to work out a little bit more. You see, athletes do that kind of stuff. And we've got to put up with the pain. We've got to be patient like the farmer. We've got to continually work like the athlete. Sometimes you're going to have some sore muscles, some bruises. You might even have a broken bone or two. But it's worth it if you win the prize, if you get the gold medal. And can you imagine what it's like to stand on that platform and have your flag behind you and then the uh, orchestra plays your national anthem and you get to... Isn't that great? But that didn't happen by accident. That didn't happen just because somebody said, I think I'll go to the Olympics. That happened because they worked and they persevered. And we're in a culture where we're feeling the heat and we've got to persevere in all of this. We've got to quit being pansies. We've got to quit giving up in all of this. And we've got to press on and we've got to run the race. And I'm begging you tonight, run the race. Now, follow the rules, but run the race. And then he also talks about us being a soldier. What do soldiers do? Sometimes they stay in guard duty. Sometimes they go through basic training. Sometimes they don't eat the best food. Sometimes they're cold. Sometimes they're wet. Sometimes they're like uh, my uncle in World War II. They're jumping out of a perfectly good airplane into a combat zone. Uh, talk about feeling vulnerable. I think I'd feel vulnerable if I were doing something like that. And the soldiers, uh, they march, they drill, they practice uh, shooting on the range. They uh, run in their combat boots, you know. Can I put on my tennis shoes and a pair of shorts? Nope. you got to be able to run with that backpack on your back and the helmet on your head and the uh, combat boots on. It's not easy. And so Paul tells Timothy, you've got to endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. And the Holy Spirit saw fit to have that preserved so that Paul could say that to us as well. So David is in the midst of a stressful life and death situation. And he says, be angry. That's okay. You should be. What's happening here is wrong, dead wrong. But don't sin. 
And when you're doing all of this, make sure that you are thinking right and you're meditating on the truth of the Word of God. And make sure that as you do that, it changes the way that you think and the way that you act so you don't ruin your testimony and you don't quit worshiping the, the Lord and you don't act like a pagan. We've got enough of that going on right now. We're called to be different. And God's ways are not our ways. And I'm so thankful for that. Because if his ways were my ways, man, we'd all be destroyed. But his ways are different. And we've got to be like the Lord. Be angry and do not sin. Hope that helps you to think a little bit more about your life and the way things are. And not just to follow along with other people who are angry and get angry with them. We don't need mobs. We need armies. And we need people that are armies under the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. For his glory, fully pulling uh, out and fulfilling our mission and uh, our assignment for his glory. We're not all alike and we're not all assigned to do the same things. And so uh, the spirit will guide you, the word will guide you, and your conscience will guide you. Some of you may be a little more involved than others. That's okay. Just do what you're supposed to do and do it for the glory of God and do it with a kind and generous spirit under the control of the Holy Spirit whose fruit is self-control. Man, that would make such a big, big difference. So I challenge you to do that, dare you to do that as you uh, watch the news, as you listen to podcasts, as you interact with people. Uh, do it in the right way. And for the glory of God. Anybody got an amen on that? What a difference that would make. Okay. Let's pray together. Father we get out of control. Fly off the handle. And uh, we are so angry sometimes. And yet we live in an angry, angry world. And sometimes I think Christians contribute more to that. Than we would like to admit. Forgive us. And help us Lord not to be passive and uncaring. Help us to be moved and angry about the right things but let it be a righteous anger that's under control let it motivate us to do something but to do something godly to do something helpful to do something positive to do something that has to do with the gospel instead of just tearing up things we don't want to carpet bomb anybody or we want to help and we want to love and uh, so, Holy Spirit, control us. And uh, regardless of the way we're made, wired, or the way we were raised, control us so that we are Christ-like in everything that we do. So help us to think about this. Help us not to just think about it now, but to think about it after we get home, to think of it tomorrow, to think of it later on as we evaluate our lives. And judgment must begin with the house of God, the Apostle Peter said. And so we want to do that tonight. And we want to surrender to you and we want to be what you want us to be. And we want to speak the truth in love. We're not good at that. Help us and forgive us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.